So Javante Tank Davis scores a seventh round stoppage over Ryan Garcia in Las Vegas last night. Um, he is, whether you're a fan of Javante Davis or not, uh, whether you like him in the ring, out of the ring or not, whatever, whatever your opinions are, it is undeniable at this point. Javante Davis is the new face of American boxing. Now, I didn't say the face of boxing because globally, internationally, of course, that's Canelo Alvarez. He's still the top guy. And there are several big brands in the sport of boxing globally. Uh, big Bang Zhang, the heavyweight from China, just did 13 million for his fight against Joe Joyce in China alone. And that was aired, I think, at four or five in the morning over there. So uh, there are fighters doing massive numbers around the world. But in the United States, in American boxing, Tank is the guy now. He is the commercial attraction. And that means for the next four or five years, however long it lasts, the Tank Davis train is going to continue uh, plowing forward, all, you know, full steam ahead. And he's the guy going forward. Um, that is going to dictate the way things shake up in and around the 135 to 140 weight class in the coming years. All right. Uh, commercially. So let's talk about um, before I get into the fight, I do need to say this. Um, I need to give my hats off to both fighters, their teams, the, the promotion, PBC, Showtime. They did a fantastic job promoting this event, man. Uh, yesterday, Saturday morning, when I looked at my social media feeds, uh, there were a lot of people talking about this fight. Uh, friends of mine who are like MMA guys, who are just regular sports guys, aren't necessarily boxing guys. They were talking about it. So this thing trended. It, it broke through. So uh, just um, everybody deserves credit for that. And regardless, look, my criticisms of this fight were related to the fighters' accomplishments at this point. Obviously, they were popular, they're popular fighters. You know, uh, with Ryan Garcia, he brings in a whole new element to Tank Davis's fan base. Tank's fan base was kind of niche. He was extremely popular within the niche audience, but it was a niche audience. And Ryan Garcia brought in this big TikTok, you know, social media thing. So they were popular fighters, but not necessarily the most accomplished. So I'll talk more about that uh, later on. But for, for, uh, Gervonta Davis. Now this has, this was a great, great brand building thing for him and his team. And it's exposed him to a broader, more casual fan base. And it's just going to take him another notch up the ladder, another step forward in his progression uh, in terms of being a brand, a commercial brand and the premier American boxing brand right now. I, I think you got to put him above Errol Spence for sure. Errol Spence does he even fight anymore? Uh, Deontay Wilder, you know, got guys like that. Um, he's he's the guy right now in the United States. Uh, and again, um, just hats off to everybody involved because this thing really, really trended. I do think it's going to do north of half a million pay per view buys. I do. I think obviously pirating is a big issue and stuff, uh, but I would be surprised if it didn't crack half a million buys. I would actually be very surprised. Uh, just the way so many people were talking about it. Okay, uh, the fight itself. Um, look, in my preview video, what did I say? I said that Ryan Garcia needed to stay long and work behind the jab, keep his length, and not give it up. 
He did that in the first round. He did that for maybe the first half of the second round. And then he got greedy and he got lazy. I don't know what the hell got into his mind, but he overreached, right? I think it was a, a left hook. He kept throwing lead left hooks. It's hard to do that against a really short fighter. Javante Davis is maybe 5'5". Five five. He's probably closer to 5'4". And he was getting low. Dude was three feet tall by the time he crouched down. And you're a big, tall, long fighter shooting lead left hooks and leaning forward at that. So when Ryan did that, Javante Davis uh, got low and countered with an uppercut. Now, in my preview video, I kept calling Gervonta's um, power punches right hand. Obviously, guys, I know he's a southpaw. I meant left hand. Please forgive me. I'm dealing with half a brain here. <laughs> I have a, a newborn baby that I'm taking care of. I'm not sleeping well. So, um, yeah, obviously, I talked about Gervonta's rear uppercut, which is a left uppercut. I kept saying right uppercut. I meant left uppercut. And I said that could be a weapon for him in this fight, particularly if he fainted and shot up top with straight left hands and had Ryan thinking about that and then came underneath with the uppercut. And that's exactly what happened in the second round. He got low, and I said that too in my preview video. I might know a little bit about this stuff, about this thing. But um, I said he needed to get low, get under Ryan's punches, and maybe shoot the right hand or left hand up top and then come with that uppercut. And it worked for him. Um, in that second round, he he puts Garcia down. And then Garcia was hesitant at that point. In the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, neither guy really did a whole lot. They weren't scintillating rounds. This wasn't a great fight. It was an okay fight, but it wasn't a, a great fight for sure. But it was de decisive. Although it was kind of anticlimactic. Talk about that in a second. But anyway, third, third fourth, fifth rounds, um, you know, neither guy did a lot, but but Tank did just a little bit more to, to win those rounds, probably. Uh, CompuBox, I think, had the punch numbers really, really close. It just was up to who you favored. It felt like Gervonta um, was dictating the pace of the fight. Even though Ryan was coming forward and stalking, he wasn't necessarily punching. And he was going to have to punch. He was going to have to have twice the, the punch volume, the punch output of Tank to get the rounds there in Nevada. Uh, that's that's how it seemed, in, in my opinion. Um, just body language-wise, three, four, five, Tank looked a little bit better after that knockdown the second. Sixth round, uh, Garcia had a couple nice right hands, and I think um, that probably took that round for him. It was close, though. All the rounds were close, except, you know, the interesting thing about the second round is Ryan Garcia was winning that round. And it just one screw up, boom, he gets dropped. And that flips around from a 10-9 Garcia round to a 10-8 tank round. So it could have been 20 to 18 Garcia after two rounds. And suddenly, boom, in one instant, it becomes 19-18 tank after two rounds. Because uh, Garcia won the opening round. So um, in an instant, dude, it can change. It, you know, and, and that's to the credit of Tank Davis, I told you guys also in my preview video, he's a natural counterpuncher, and he his defense is going to surprise some of you. And, and in this, this fight, his defense was tighter. Now, he caught some shots because Tank is flawed. He, he's not a great defensive fighter. He is flawed. But his defense is underrated. He has a craftiness about his defense, and he's willing to roll with a punch, absorb a punch to land his counter. 
It's reminiscent of what Golovkin would do at times and, and some of these other guys where they'll stand in the pocket and move with a punch. They'll take a little bit of, of, of leather to land their shot. That's part of what he does. And uh, he did it well in this fight. So uh, seventh round, the body shot, right? Um, good liver shot. It, it wasn't a devastating body punch. We've seen and heard way, way harder punches. But it was a beautifully thrown short counter left while uh, Garcia, Garcia was reaching with his right. And in this fight, Garcia did not, again, he gave up his height. After the first round, he used his height perfectly. Perfect round. I think Joe Goosem told him that in the corner. And, and, and I, I was thinking, just do this for 12 rounds. I didn't think he could. But, you know, if you did this for 12 rounds, you win this fight pretty easily. I won't say easily, but you win the fight pretty decisively. But he stopped doing it. Just stopped doing it. And he was reaching. He was giving up his height. And Gervonta was stepping in when uh, when Ryan would throw. So when Ryan looped that right hand, Gervonta got under it, stepped in, a little short little left hand. It's like a little six-inch punch. Boom. Right on the liver. Delayed reaction. Ryan goes down. You got the sense that if Ryan really wanted to get up and fight on, he could have. But he decided in that moment, it ain't happening and it ain't worth it. Uh, and, he, and he decided to stay down. People are calling him a quitter. I think that's way too harsh. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are saying that from their couch. They've never sparred around in their life. So uh, I think that's a little too much. I will say in the post-fight interview with Jim Gray, Ryan um, hinted. You could tell there was a couple times where when Jim Gray was asking him about the body punch, did you think you could get up, blah, blah, blah. You could tell that Ryan was, he, he wanted to talk about the catch weight. He wanted to talk about the rehydration clause because obviously, and I talked about this in my preview video too, Tank needed to go to the body. When you got a weakened fighter who's depleted, who's drained, go to the damn body, especially when you're the shorter guy and he's tall and fights tall. Uh, get in there and hit the body. That's what he did. So um, you could tell Ryan wanted to go there, stopped himself to his credit, and didn't make any excuses and just said, hey, I couldn't recover. That's it. So he deserves credit for that because I, you could just kind of tell what he wanted to say. Uh, but Ryan, you're a big boy. You and your team agreed to these terms. You agreed to the catch weight, the rehydration clause. You signed the contract. So if you're going to sign the contract, you can't complain later when it affects you in the fight. And I, I think it did. I think it did. His punch output was low. Um, he uh, that, that body shot, again, it was a good body shot. I'm not trying to take anything away from Tank. But a fully rehydrated 140-pound Ryan Garcia probably gets up from that punch. I'm not saying he wouldn't have got stopped eventually or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying he probably gets up and recovers from that shot. Okay. Um, anyway, Tank wins. And full credit to Tank. He he gave uh, Garcia respect afterwards. Garcia was classy in defeat. They both were gentlemen. They talked a lot of trash coming in, but they both uh, were gentlemen after the fight. So that was awesome to see. And uh, big, big crowd, sellout crowd. Um, what, 20,000 or so, I think, in uh, Las Vegas. So now, you know, Tank has done crowds in multiple markets. So it goes back to what I said at the beginning of this video. He is the face of American boxing, of this new generation now that's kind of taken over uh, from the last one. And um, 
he, you know, he hasn't been a pay-per-view success to this point. And people in the media say he is, but a 200,000 is not a success. But I think this fight, I really do expect it to go over half a mil. And that's going to take him to like a new stratosphere. And that would make him obviously a pay-per-view success. So that kind of takes him over the hump there. And we'll see if he can continue that. Okay. Let's talk about what's next for, for both men. Um, for Ryan Garcia, he needs to fight at 140. Okay. He's not a, he's not a catch weight dude. He needs to fight at 140 from here on out. He'll eventually be at 147. He's a tall guy. He needs to let that body fill in a little bit. I also think he needs to be more active. He's just the kind of fighter. Some of the reactions, the reflexes didn't look great. His reflexes look awesome on the Cobra bag. Okay. But that's muscle memory in terms of fighting. You got to be more active. I think it was a huge mistake to not take that tune-up fight earlier this year against Mercedo Hesta. Uh, Tank took a tune-up fight, and it worked for him. He looked fresh in this fight. He looked very, very sharp. His reflexes looked good, just in terms of, like, boxing, in terms of seeing punches coming, catching it, all of that. Just little, little nuances, getting your hands up, catching a shot, rolling with the shot. He looked tighter in regards to all that than Ryan did. Hey, a tune-up fight helps. So for Ryan Garcia not to take that tune-up fight, another huge mistake. Him and his management have just made multiple mistakes. I talked about this before um, in a preview video. Ryan's team is either going to look really, really like geniuses or they're going to look foolish. I, I think now they look a little foolish. I think they capitulated too much in the negotiations. They gave up too much ground, and it, and it cost them here. Um, they made a shitload of money. But Ryan Garcia's brand took a little bit of a hit here. It really, really did. Uh, there are a lot of people, you know, saying all sorts of stuff all on social. And that's what the fans do. Fans are crazy. I get it. But um, they didn't need to capitulate this much. And they really should have got him in the ring earlier this year as a tune-up. Just multiple mistakes made here. Then after the fight, I saw in a uh, post-fight press conference, Oscar De La Hoya, none of the Golden Boy people were there with Ryan Garcia at the post-fight presser. I don't know what's up with that, but that's odd. That's not a good look. Now, no, look, I don't know. I don't. Something may have happened. There may have been something going on. I don't know. But that's, that's just not a good look. So I hope there's a, a reasonable explanation for that. But having said everything I just said, Ryan going forward can get better from this. And he, he can continue working with Joe Goosen. I just think that they need to be more consistent working together Ryan has got to his, some of the people he has managing his career are really hurting him. They've gotten him paid. They've gotten him money, but they're hurting his development. Kid's only 24. He's still young. He's still developing, right? Uh, there's definitely talent there. And you saw him do some good things against tank in the ring last night. He also was thinking a little bit. He did make some adjustments. As I mentioned, he did land some right hands in that sixth round, even with the, the right uppercut, which was an adjustment that Tank didn't see coming. Tank did adjust to it, but it, it caught him a few times. So Ryan did some good things in there. He did, um, but it wasn't consistent. And I think that going forward, he needs to just listen to Goosen more and let Goosen be around more in the day-to-day -day training. Um, Drop the Cobra bag, dude, and do some more sparring. You know, when I look at Ryan Garcia, this is a kid who was training every day with Canelo Alvarez and basically found a way to screw that up because he wanted to do it his own way. He's got a lot of people talking in his ear that told him he could do it his own way. I think that's cost him. Say what you will about Tank, but 
you know, him and Floyd Mayweather have had a, a tough relationship, right? They, they've butt heads a lot. But in the end, I do think Tank ultimately says, you know what? Let me listen to this dude. Old school here. He knows what he's talking about. And you could tell that, I mean, Floyd was there in the ring, right? Look, Tank is a Floyd Mayweather guy. Like I said in my preview video, that triggered some people. Whether he's technically a Mayweather promotions guy or not, whatever, he's a Floyd guy. Right, Floyd was in the ring with him Saturday night. That's what I was getting at. Um, and he's smart enough, Tank, to even if they butt heads and they beef a little bit, they you know, he ultimately listens to Floyd, and I think that's helped him a lot more so from the business side of things than anything else because they're really managing his career similar to the way Floyd did things, uh, the last few years of his career. Okay, so let's talk about Tank. Uh, as I mentioned, Tank, new face of American boxing. The Tank train is going to roll forward. And so there's some good and there's some bad with that, okay? Um, with any star fighter, there comes a cult-like fan base, right? And the cult can be nasty. So Tyson Fury has the Fury fanatics, and they're, they're kind of nasty. And if you criticize anything Tyson Fury does, those people will jump down your throat. Well, that's starting to happen with Javante Davis, right? If you just mention legitimate criticisms, uh, you get just attacked. Dude, I was viciously attacked this week on Twitter. And I mean, I get attacked all the time. But this week, whoo, it was vicious. Um, there were some doozies out there on Twitter. Uh, but so there's that. That kind of comes with the territory, okay? The good is that Tank is going to do numbers. He's going to sell tickets. He's going to get people uh, coming to his fights, watching his fights. Doesn't really matter who he fights. His fan base doesn't care who he fights, whether it's for a real world title or a paper title, whether there's a catchweight, a rehydration clause. They don't care. If you are a Tank Davis fan, first and foremost, before anything else, you just want to see Tank fight and you want to see Tank win. That's it. And I get that. That's part of being a fanboy. All right. And I don't use fanboy disrespectfully, but it, there's a lot of fanboys out there. And that's part of being a fanboy. You just want to see your guy fight and your guy win. You don't care about any of the other nonsense. And when they tell you, oh, this regular belt, this interim belt is the championship of the world, you go with it. You say, yeah, cool. When they say, oh, we're doing a rehydration clause because we're the A-side and we're flexing our muscle in the negotiations. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds legit. You just go with it, right? You have the right to do that, okay? But I have the right to talk about those things and to criticize it, especially in the context of a discussion uh, about like pound for pound list or historical ratings and, and things like that. I fancy myself a purist on that kind of stuff and a, a boxing historian. I love reading about the old school fighters, watching old school fights, and really learning about the history of the sport. So I look at things more analytically. So when we're talking about Gervonta Davis. When I call him the face of American boxing right now, I'm talking commercially. In terms of accomplishments, he's not. He's nowhere near the most accomplished of American fighters, let alone globally. Um, just in terms of who he's fought in the ring, you see the potential, the pound-for-pound -pound potential, the superstar potential. You see that, right? I see it. 
as a purist, as a historian, I want to see Gervonta Davis fight the best of the best, right? That's the frustrating part for me because he's not going to. This train's going to continue to roll forward and they're going to continue to do what they've been doing. Selective, opportunistic matchmaking that is um, sometimes based on demographics. Sometimes it's just based on timing and moving the guy up in weight, pulling the guy down in weight, whatever it is. There's always an angle. And the angle is to make money and expand commercially with taking the, the least amount of actual risk in the ring. Uh, so it's a manipulation of fans in, in a way. And listen, I never have a problem with a fighter marketing themselves however they want to market themselves. My issue, again, is a guy that dabbles in the boxing media and, and writes about this stuff, votes in the Hall of Fame, right? I, I want to see the best fight the best. And I'm going to look at resume. I'm going to look at the asterisks, the nuances, you know, my favorite word. I'm going to look at that stuff and talk about it because that's what I, I'm a boxing nerd. You know, I'm a self self-admitted boxing nerd. So tank has been hovering between 135 and 140 lightweight division, junior welterweight division for the last few years. We know who the champions are there. The, the lightweight champion of the world is Devin Haney. I don't care about interim this and regular that. The champion is Devin Haney. At 140, junior welterweight, the champion is Josh Taylor. I know he's been stripped of some belts, whatever. He is the guy. Those are the fighters I want to see Javante Davis fight. I want to see him fight um, Lomachenko, who Haney's about to fight. I want to see him fight Tiafima Lopez, who Taylor's about to fight. I want to see him fight Regis Progray, Jose Ramirez, uh, Shakur Stevenson. Right. Those are the guys, even George Cambosos would probably be better, definitely more accomplished than anyone tank has fought at 135 or 140. So I want to see him fight that level of opposition. And what's frustrating for me and guys like me, I know I know I'm not alone, is that tank won't. There and and if and when he does step up and fight one of those guys. There will be a catch weight. There will be a rehydration clause. You got to fight on my network. You got to fight, you know, at this venue. We got, it's going to be, there's always going to be an angle. And that's just the way that his team does business. I don't mean Gervonta himself. I mean, his management, PBC, Heyman, particularly Floyd Mayweather. It's the way they do business. Now, again, if that's the way you do business and that's your model, I don't have to necessarily love it. I don't hate it. I get it. But I'm allowed, again, to just speak about things I see. I'm allowed to have an opinion. It doesn't make me a bad guy if I have a different point of view on this than some of you out there. Um, the difference between what I try to do and what a fanboy does is fanboys move the goalpost and have double standards. Their fighter, they hold to lower standards. They hold everybody else to higher standards. You know, I try to just be fair across the board and call this out. So when I call out things about Tyson Fury, again, I get shit down my throat. When I call out things about Javante Davis, I get shit down my throat. Um, but that's my thing with Tank is I want to see him fight the best. I, I mentioned the names. You guys know the names. But we're probably not going to get those fights. 
And, you know, during the broadcast last night, uh, none of the announcers, um, Moral Ranallo, Al Bernstein, uh, Custer, uh, Brian Custer, uh, even Jim Gray in the post-fight interview, they didn't bring any of those names up. None of them. And I'm like, you know, that that to me is what I get critical of the most. I get what Tank and his team are doing. It's business. This is business. I get it. Like, keep doing your thing. It's working. Keep doing it. It's doing. You're doing great. But for the media, there are there are tank fanboys in the media right now, and basically they're just suckling at the power teat right now because that is tank for the next few years until there's a new guy and there will be a new guy after that one and and so on. But they're just suckling at the teat, and there's no hard questions. There's no bringing up Devin Haney's name, bringing up. Shakur Stevenson's name, let alone the guys at 140 that I mentioned, right? Uh, are talking about why the catch weight, why the rehydration clause. I'll tell you guys, and, and I got I got crap for this, but Tank and his team knew this was their first real test since Tank. Now, look, obviously, when he was a prospect, you take little tests as you work your way up. I'm talking about since he's been at this status, like a pay-per-view. A championship level fighter, a title holder level fighter. Okay. Since he's been at that level, Ryan Garcia was the first opponent who had a real chance of beating him, a real chance of hurting him and beating him. And they knew that, which is why ultimately there was a 136 catch weight and then a rehydration clause. They never, Tank has had almost 30 fights. I think this was his 29th pro fight. He's never demanded a rehydration clause or anything like that with any other fight that I can remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he did for this one. And it's because they knew they were going to step up. And that's why I say anytime they do step up and take a challenge, you're going to see some sort of nuance like this. And I have to mention it. Doesn't make me a hater. I, you know, at best, I'm called a hater. At worst, I get called all sorts of other disgusting things by the idiots out there. But look, Devin Haney, I'm more impressed by Devin Haney going over to Australia and beating George Cambosos in his backyard twice. No catch weight, no rehydration clause, none of it. And I get it. Cambosos was the champ and all, you know, I can hear all you guys saying, but uh, he, Devin Haney signed the deal to do that. Now, was it as exciting as what Tank does? No. Who would I rather watch as a fan, like entertainment-wise? I'd rather watch Tank Davis than Devin Haney or Shakur Stevenson. But I'm more impressed with what Haney did with Cambosos than I am with what Tank did against Garcia. That's not me hating. That's me having an opinion, which I'm allowed to have. And I think most people would agree with me on that if you're fans of the sport first and the fighter second. Um, in terms of styles... I think Devin Haney would give um, Tank Davis a lot of problems because he wouldn't make the mistakes Ryan Garcia does. I think that Shakur Stevenson would box circles around Tank. It's just how I feel. It's not me hating. It's just how I feel. But I want to be proven wrong. I want to see those fights. When, if ever, will we see them is my question. So in closing, Tank is commercially the face of American boxing. 
uh, fantastic performance last night. And um, I, I do think obviously his stock was raised and now he is the top, top guy, the top draw in American boxing commercially. However, I'm allowed to talk about these other things. And I still, my frustration is that I want to see him fight these top guys. Ryan Garcia, Mario Barrios, Isaac Cruz. These guys were not the top challenges. Tank Davis has never been recognized as the number one fighter in any division. He's never fought the number one fighter in any division. That's what I want to see from him. That's it. That's what I want to see. Uh, but for now, the Tank Davis train marches forward. I do think this was a successful promotion. So hats off to everybody involved. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, peace.